Welcome to IDIQ Labs, the podcast where we deep dive under a microscope and explore the ever-changing landscape of personal and financial wellness. Brought to you by IDIQ, an industry leader in identity theft protection and credit monitoring products. We got another exciting episode today, so let's get started. All right, so t- uh, today we're talking about dark web, uh, and we have a guest with us today, uh, Patrick Glennon, our CTO at IDIQ, and uh, all things knowledgeable, also a connoisseur of coffee and <laughs> uh, fine cigars and many breathable other Italian wool. Breathe, breathable, <laughs> Italian <laughs> wool. <laughs> breathable Italian wool. Breathable Italian wool. But he can wear it under his jacket when he rides his motorcycle. Work. I have yeah. no idea how you're wearing that right now. I'm like sweating. Yeah, that's breathable. <laughs> <laughs> I know we'll I'm dying in here. Like, <laughs> no, it's terrible. definitely getting warm. Yeah. Yeah. This is awful. And it's, you know, it's all spot. I, I feel like I'm being interrogated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is it with this lighting? Oh. <laughs> uh, I have a uh, pocket square if you need to. I, I might. <laughs> touch up a little bit. <laughs> you, you know, maybe to kick us off, um, Patrick, uh, can you just tell us, uh, you know, is there one internet or are there multiple internets? Because when I think of the internet, people just say the internet. Um, but then we hear uh, online and through conversations that there's something called the dark web that I think we want to dive into. Maybe not dive in. I've been to the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I live there practically. But, uh, oh, come on. I know you spent some time on the dark web. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's just for a side business. Yeah. The, um, yeah, we typically break it down into like surface web, which is where most people are experiencing the web. You're, you're going to your e-commerce sites. You're doing your social media, um, shopping, you know, food, food ordering, all the, the kind of normal things, news that you see on the web. Um, there's kind of a layer below that, what we call the deep web, which is typically things that aren't indexed, but that are still available on the normal web through DNS, through regular easy to access names. You can get to it, but it's not things that are necessarily um, as easy to find as just, you know, popping into a search engine on Google and typing in the name. What are some examples? I don't, I don't know if I understand like the discrepancy, because if the deep web is like the vast majority of the web, then like, what are some examples of it? And if you, do you does something have to be indexed to search it on Google or Yahoo or Bing? It has to be indexed to be to be found on, on Google and, and any of the search engine indexes. So not everybody does that. Some people do do things on, on purpose to keep them off of that if they're things that are proprietary or things that are that are not that they're not looking to share but that they still have public access to. Mm. Um, so I would I would say that like the um, the the surface web is kind of the front door. The the, the deep web is kind of more the back door. It's like you're not going to necessarily have an easy route to get there, but a lot of, there's a lot of information there that's still publicly available but harder to, harder to find. And then below that, we go into the dark web, and we, we call it the dark web because it's not indexed. It's um, not usually accessible by any kind of domain names or commonly understood. You know, it's not like you're going and typing in www.marketplace.darkweb.com or something like that. These are things that you have to know specific IP addresses, the, the ways to get into these things are, are shared through through um, channels that are not publicly available or publicly advertised or publicly marketed. So it's sort of a who you know, you know, kind of marketplace of exchanged information. Um, you so have to use a special browser, right? You, you typically have to use a special browser, especially if you're looking to avoid getting tracked, um, which most people who are going to the dark web are not anxious to get tracked or have things that they're no information gets shared through email clients that are not um, publicly um, 
necessarily publicly something not publicly accessible, but they're not your typical Gmail, Yahoo Mail. These are things that go through um, networks that are designed to be untraceable. So um, the most common one is called Tor, which stands for the Onion Router. It's a um, a, a method of of hiding the traversal of packets of information through the internet, um, through like a network of anonymous servers that are just put up on, on the internet with a random IP address. So um, the email exchanges happen through there. Um, they, they host access to different servers through there. They, the, the path that you get to get to some of these servers goes through, the, through, through these types of obscured uh, network routes through, through the dark web. Is wow. it, for those people, is it like easy to accomplish? Like everything you just said sounds so convoluted and, and difficult. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't <clears throat> say it's difficult. Um, I would say that there requires some knowledge, and that knowledge typically is shared through channels that aren't, yeah. you know, necessarily advertised or broadcasted. So it's something that you might, you know, if you know, if, for the there are legitimate presences of people on the on the dark web that are doing things like CIA has a presence. Um, there are um, academic institutions that have a presence. There are um, social media companies that have a presence for for people who are trying to get access, trying to enable access to services through mechanisms that you know they don't want to necessarily be tracked. Like for example, dissidents in countries that are suppressing access to the internet or to or to publicly mm. available information. So a lot of these companies and a lot of these government institutions will provide um, back channels to the dark web for these people to avoid them being traced by their governments or by oppressive regimes or by other types of entities that might want to know what they're doing and what they're up to. So there are positive uses for the dark web. There are. I, there's obviously also like, you know, really bad marketplaces of sort of horrible things happening as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we'll ask for a detailed list of ways to get into those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Later in this yeah. episode. Yeah. Don't tell me. <laughs> how did this so how did this happen? Like one day like Napster was shut down and and everyone was just like you know, we got to find another way to um, share things. And Napster was the yeah. coolest. Napster was awesome. Oh, man, yeah. it was so cool. Napster was very good. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling Ronnie has no idea what Napster was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie is nappy. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just saw like an old Winamp, you know, uh, audio clip of like, you know, um, do you remember the Winamp? Oh um, yeah, music player. Yep, yep. There yep. was a famous sound it made when it launched. You know that was pretty funny. So I just heard the, that recording. But uh, like in the early days of the internet, um, most things were um, hosted by academic academic institutions. The mechanisms for getting there were were basically TCP/IP. So I, I have a notebook in my house. This is how old I am. That has like um, IP addresses of like Archie sites, FTP sites, Telnet BBSs, yep. things that we used to access before. DNS and the World Wide Web really became um, popular me mechanisms for, for accessing these bits of information. So um, as the web, more and more people got on the web, it, it lifted out of the academic world and into kind of the commercial world and, and became, you know, kind of a place that's hosting, you know, news sites and lots of public access information and marketplaces and, you know, all the things that we experience now on it today, you know, the system of, of, having you know easy to use dns names like www.google.com as well as search engines like google and yahoo and bing and all these other search engines that are out there really provided an easy mechanism for people to get access to things and as that was happening and as those things were rising up like um there remained a, a community of people who were committed to 
a more private means of accessing information, and they stayed off of those those types of services, and 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 that was kind of the beginnings of those types of marketplaces. There's there's actually on Lev uh, uh, Friedman's podcast a great uh, interview with the FBI director or, or agent who took down one of the first dark web marketplaces. Um, Silk that Road. Was out there. What's that? Was it Silk Road? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The guy that took down Silk Road, yeah. yeah. Which is, it's a great story. And like, like all of Friedman's podcasts, it's like two hours long. But wow. it's just fascinating with like, you know, and what they talked like about. how the they end, did that? How they did that. Oh, that's what awesome. What me- mechanisms they used, how they tracked things down. And what was really interesting at the end was they were talking about that every time they take one of these down, the, the other marketplaces learn about how those things were taken down and use that as a mechanism to obscure their self, themselves and be harder to take down for the next one. So like everything on the internet that's cyber-related, whenever we solve one problem, a couple more problems pop up and yeah. with new techniques and new new methods that we have to kind of figure out um, how to get around. Because there's, there's been multiple Silk Roads then popped up after that. Tons of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe that's a good segue into like what is a marketplace um, and so that we can use that kind of... Yeah, a, Silk Road's a great example. So it started out as a, a place that was more dedicated to kind of like the libertarian ideal. So it was like, like we're not going to censor. You can buy, sell whatever you want in this marketplace. doesn't matter. We're not going to ask if it's legal or illegal or if it's copyrighted material or if it's stolen goods. Like it's like it's all free. It's just an open yeah. marketplace. Yeah. Um, and the, the founder of it, you know, at, at least appeared on, on the surface to be somebody who was devoted to that. And then over time, as the marketplace got darker and darker and of course. became homes to things like, you know, um, assassinations for hire and, and human trafficking and awful things like that, um, that guy got a little bit darker and darker. And in the end, um, they one of the re- mechanisms they caught him with is that he was trying to hire someone to kill someone through his own marketplace. So, yeah, wow. pretty fascinating. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> That's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a total like absolute power corrupts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's just the matter of like when you surround yourself with something like that, it's like you get drawn into the into the world, know, the notions of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, is the if you're thinking about all these different levels of internet that you just described, um, and with the surface level and the deep web and the dark web, are there things that happen on the, the kind of that surface level that are also Oh, yeah. Bad, Uh, illegal. Yeah. um, I I spent some time talking with a group that works really closely with um, uh, governments and law enforcement around helping track down human trafficking. Um, It's a a great organization. They they do a lot of good work in in hunting down these these groups and exposing them and, and working with law enforcement to bring them out. They're not a vigilante group. But, it, but anyway, at any rate, when we were, I was talking with them, one of the f- more fascinating things that they mentioned was that like 90% of the work that they do is on the surface web for that. Really? Because the, the, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's easier for them to interact with normal people for some of this human trafficking, quote unquote normal people, right. um, via surface web. And there's not as much, um, you know, it's difficult for for governments and for those platforms to police it, you know they'll they'll obscure the language. They'll they'll talk about things in different ways. They'll you know they they have mechanisms for obscuring their activities that don't require them to be underground, mm-hmm. and they can vanish like that when things pop up or when law enforcement turns up. And so there's a lot of things that still happen on the surface web, um, but still a lot of the a lot of the the things that we we worry about at IDIQ around like trafficking of information and things like that is 
so much more prevalent on the on the dark web and and um, just because it's it's easier to identify um, on the surface web things like you know social security numbers and you know right. attempts to sell <clears throat> passports and diplomas and and credit card numbers and addresses and things like that than it is to you know index and offer and there's you know there's freebies offered on the dark web and things like that yeah so they have sample information out there that you can use to test the validity of their packages that that um, that you can find on the dark web that would be that maybe would like light up some boards a little bit more obviously on the on the surface web. Yeah, I mean, uh, so in the for, in forums and on the dark web, you'll find uh, you'll find like how to guides. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on how on how to actually penetrate networks or do yeah. do anything. Where's really you know anything. about that, Mike? Where's well, you find all those on the surface nets Patrick. too? And, <laughs> yeah, you find all that on yeah. the surface web too. Like there's there's um, there's lots of because because on the surface where we have kind of the uh, red team blue team sort of kind of ideas of of like. Um, uh, ethical hackers who are working for companies too. Right. Yeah. So people are sharing a lot of these exports as part of kind of security research. So even on the surface web, you can go out and easily find information on how to hack things, how to um, you know how to compromise things, what what common exploits are, how to leverage them, uh, common toolkits uh, for using. You know, you can download them. Um, uh, signal stuff. You know, obviously for like radio um, transmission stuff, RFID, Bluetooth. Uh, um, Wi-Fi, all those kinds of kits and tools are readily available even on the surface web. So, yeah. So, so what happens? You you go onto the Tor network. You or you download a Tor browser, yeah. or there now you have, you have easier Tor browser ways. plugins. Yeah, and you have, Tor, yeah. And you have There's easier plugins, ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like it used to be, you have to you have to like code something. You have to be on Linux and type something <clears> in a ter in terminal, and then yeah. it'll pop up your Tor browser and and you can start surfing the dark web, but now it's easy. Yeah, it's like, just a plugin. Yeah, that's um, so crazy. Yeah, yeah. and it's and a, and there, you know, there like I said, there's a lot of there are a lot of very valid uses of the Tor network, and a lot of valid uses of, you know, um, uh, you know, mail clients like Proton and things like that that are that are you know used to send untraceable you know emails and things like that through the dark web. They're they're and those uses are like well, things we talked about academics and in. in that, and um, and dissidents in places where, you know, they're living under an oppressive regime. This is a means of you know getting them access to, you know, more worldwide information, accurate information. You know, allowing them to collaborate with academics and other government agencies from around the world. So, there's there's perfectly valid uses for this. So when, you know, even law enforcement now they don't look at you, downloading Tor is not illegal. It's not an illegal thing to do. Yeah. Um, so what happens? You so you you access all of a sudden, Tor browser opens up, your lights dim, and <laughs> there's a red glow. Exactly. And you have to put yeah. a hood on. Yeah. yeah. And then and then yeah. what do you see? Yeah, you type in your your, your username of Rick, whatever. Use my social security yeah, number and, and your bank yeah. account number. And my bank yeah. account number. All of Rick's information is available online, folks, if yeah. you know where to look for it. So, uh, um, yeah, so, you know, again, once you get on there, uh, a lot of the information shared about where to find things can be found through. Um, some some can be found on surface web stuff that will get that will have kind of lists that you can get available for what marketplaces exist, how to get access to them. Um, those tend to move around and get decommissioned and pop up somewhere else a lot. But but once you get those that information, you can use that information to, you know, again, launch a regular browser or a Tor browser. Um, set your onion router up and then you have an anonymous 
means of accessing the internet, internet where your, your packets are essentially untraceable. So what happens in those, those things is your information gets routed to the next node in the onion routing network, and um, it can go down 100 different paths, and those, those different hops on the internet don't tell the other hops where they came from. So normally in a, in, a, in, a, in a network connection like that, as you're traversing the internet through these different routers and, and hubs and, and um, uh, network interchanges, um, the, the full route that you're, you're traversing becomes kind of known. You can, you can see the prior hop and the next hop in, the, in that path. And what the, what the onion router does is obscure that so that you can't, you can't tell where that packet came from or where it's going. Hmm. So that's that's the the kind of the magic of doing that. And then once you once you've got that launched up, it's just a matter of accessing these by, you know, by IP address or by IPv6 addresses or some other things that that don't necessarily have an easy, easily accessible name by them. Because the last thing you want to be able to do is, you know, go to your favorite DNS provider and say, you know, SilkRoad2.com <laughs> is the place I want to go to. Yeah, with my Rick Eggleton credentials. So. Yeah. <laughs> And you, mask. Usually, You're Rick Eagleton mask. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Really big hat. I've got a, I've got a filter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> usually, these things talk about the good decisions I've made. Now we have a lot of time to fill. So yeah. Sure. <laughs> so I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. <laughs> but I mean, how does so all this stuff is accessible and and available to somebody who has some level of knowledge? It doesn't even sound like you need a lot. Yeah, you listen to a few podcasts and then figure it out. Um, but I mean, how? What's there that can affect just regular consumers? Other than yeah. other than the really really terrible stuff, we know that that's that's there, yeah. and and thankfully there's agencies trying to stop it. Indeed. But what yeah. about like there's basic information that could hurt me? Yeah, like I said, there's there's marketplaces out there where you can go and you can buy, um, you know, a, a trove of of um, you know, social security numbers, credit card numbers, um, diplomas, passports, um, uh, you know, any amount of things that can be used to uh, impersonate somebody, gain, gain access to somebody's financial information, usernames and passwords for different sites, um, you know, and even then it's like if you get, a, you know, access to one username and password, you know, typically you might just take that, that list of usernames and passwords and just try them at Lots of other different sites, including right. banks and things like that, trying to access and figure out how I can get in and how I can use this this trove of information that I've gotten a, a hold of. So that that's the the risk for I think most of the your average consumers, and that's really what's being what's happening now. What we find is that there are uh, just massive amounts of folks whose data is already out there. You know, there there are an incredible number of data breaches that happen every year where this data spills out. Um, it's compromised. It's packaged up. Um, it's put out on the dark web for sale. Like I said, there's even freebies you can get on the dark web that say, you know, I mean, here's 100 uh, name, credit card number addresses that you can try out for free. And if you like our product, you know, send us this Bitcoin and it's all yours. We're off, off and running. Um, the, um, so that's, that's really what we, what we worry about. And, and we worry about like identifying those when those types of things happen so that we can make sure that we respond to it in a quick fashion. So um, I think one of the things we're trying to do as a company is make sure that as quickly as possible, if your information appears in one of those places, you know about it and you can do something about it. Um, we're not saying we're going to prevent it from getting out there. No one's doing that because this is, again, this is um, Plus banks, you're, so yeah, credit you're, unions. It's everywhere. So it's, it's dark, happening everywhere. It's on Netflix. Dark, it's web it, it, yeah. Yeah. dark web scanning uh, a buzzword? 
that's being used or is it like what what's involved with dark web scanning if it's so hard to find these things how is that happening yeah so again i wouldn't say it's particularly hard to find those those things i, I think it's it's not that difficult if uh, you can put in a little bit of effort and you can get online and you can find those things so so dark web scanning just means that there are are entities out there who are you know essentially we you know um going out on the dark web uh, making purchases making grabbing freebies grabbing whatever information that they can indexing it such that they have this the, these troves of information that we can go and we can match on so once they've gone out and scanned you know 30 40 50 100 you know particular uh, marketplaces for this information they build up a, a pile of it and then you know it, you know they provide access to that so people can go and scan and say hey is my email address in that trove of information is that out there on the dark web is my credit card number is my driver's license is my you know um you know social security number or things like that yeah yeah and when we want to find out about that as quickly as possible again so we can do something about it and typically that's you know changing passwords making sure that we're paying attention to your credit reports making right. sure that we're like you know looking for the different methods that somebody's going to exploit that because it's out there it's it's just out there yeah so yeah you would agree that most people's information has already most been people's exposed. information is already out there. Yeah, it's already been yeah. exposed. Yeah, when 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 we first sign somebody up for dark web monitoring, there's a, a a brief historical hit where you get like the last couple of years worth of data breaches that will come in as as alerts, and you'll see, like you know, oh man, there's my old Yahoo email account. That's oh, right. That's oh, my. Shoot. <laughs> oh, that's my. It's not my password anymore, but that but that was my password. So like you can see a lot of things that that pop up on there, including you know. Uh, you know, addresses, um, credit card numbers, all those kinds of things are going to be out there. They're going to be out there now. So that's because it, it doesn't go away. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Once it's out yeah. there, it's, 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 it doesn't out there. go away. Yeah. 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 Yep. And, and we see that ourselves. We see people trying to sign up for our site with stolen credit card numbers. It's like, and it's just think somebody will go out, purchase a list of credit card numbers and, and they'll just run through mm -hmm. a whole bunch of them and try to see which ones work. And once they find one that works, so they can go spend on it. Yeah, yep. that's always yeah. insane to, to see. Yeah, uh, it's fun to watch it happen. We're like just seeing all yeah. oh, the credit cards. Oh, and how fast they try and yeah. had an identity theft just protection spinning down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, what are some of the kind of wildest things that you've seen? Do you, do we have employees that spend time on the dark web so that they continue to stay up? up to speed on what's happening in forums and understanding what's going on. Yeah. Um, do we work with any outside agencies? Yeah, we do. So we, we, well, we work with the San Diego side of our center of excellence and, you know, we've got a, uh, one of our employees on the board over there. So <laughs> <laughs> and we do have people who are, are staying abreast of that and staying in, uh, engaged in the dark web and doing, doing research here to make sure that we understand what those threats are and, and, and are keeping abreast of those situations. And we, we do see, crazy things, you know, um, in terms of some of the stories that come in from our call center and um, that we that get called in about various different situations that happen. And um, and then I'm like, I ever, like, I'm like everybody else. I've got like a bunch of family stories of things that have, my dad got SIM swapped. So, oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my- Like SIM, you should explain SIM swapping. Yeah. But I, I, yeah. when you hear about SIM swapping, <laughs> like after you explain this, you're going to be like, how in the world yeah. does this actually happen to people? Like, yeah. You know it can happen, but... It's typically, you don't see it as much because it tends to, somebody has to target you, yeah. you know? But so what happens is, is that somebody gets enough personal information about you 
where they call up your phone company and they convince your phone company to switch your phone number onto a different SIM card. So um, when that happens, they um, all your text messages and phone calls start coming into this new phone. Wow. Um, so what that means is that, and there's companies out there like PayPal has a, a very unfortunate feature where you don't even have to put your username and password into PayPal to auth authenticate a transaction. It'll send you a one-time text. That's right. You know, yeah. And that text is your only... That's the only thing you need to do. You put that code in, and your 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 payment's authorized. So, it's a it's a pretty great way to violate MFA and get access to payments through PayPal and some other services that do similar kind of text based text only MFA authentication. Which is why people are looking to move towards authentication apps and 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 other types of you know mechanisms for authenticating people that don't just you know that are multi factor um, but are not just a a text message. So anyway, uh, somebody did this to my dad. Um, and uh, so we had to go back and convince the phone company that that wasn't my dad, that somebody else had done this. And it took about two days to unwind the phone company and all the damage that this person had done by switching, you know, email addresses, switching accounts and, and other things over wow. just by using an MFA authentication. So it's, it's, it's not as common a one. Um, but it's a good, it's a good reminder to do not do things like don't answer Facebook quizzes. Right. Like, don't. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, Facebook quizzes are yeah. the funniest thing to me. What's your favorite pet? Yeah, it's all you your know, security what questions. What city were you born in? What's your social security? I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we, we just hand out so much information yeah. to people yeah. for free on social media and, and typically through, like, accounts that are open to the public that anyone can go look at. It's yeah. like we just hand our information out every day for make things easy so you know yeah. up until 2022 uh, I think business email compromises were the number one uh, like uh, most financially damaging scam yeah and last year uh, romance scams overtook it oh really and, yeah and it's the same thing it's they're, they're yeah. gathering information it's usually long term so they're gonna yeah uh, they're gonna scam you long enough to get a lot of money out of you right and get you to invest in something crypto or something like that. Yeah. Wow. And uh, but romance scams. True. Yeah, because in those dating apps, you put all your information, mm. and you put as much information about yourself as you can. You're usually vulnerable because yeah. you're you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah. <laughs> Rick's catfished yeah, me like two right. or three times. <laughs> so, I've, actually got, I've actually got a lot of money from Patrick. So. <laughs> You'd think I'd know better by now. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? The, the conversation was really nice, though. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was really life-affirming for me, too. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Felt really good about himself after. Yeah. That's why I started wearing suits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, gosh. but yeah, it's, it, it is crazy. Any, any scenario like that where you're, where you're sharing information, putting information about, uh, out there about yourself, is you're just ripe to be exploited. Oh, you're begging for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. It is crazy. I, I called... Who was it? It was like our, it might've been, might've been our cell phone company. Um, similar to what you're saying about your dad, but I, I called the, I called them and all I had was a question. Yeah. It didn't even have to do with my account. I just had a question and it took me 10 minutes to verify all of my information about yeah. me. And I hung the phone up. I was like, I have no idea how these phone scams actually happen. It's gotta be like a lazy agent. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, because like there's, 
there are a lot of questions that go into that. So, but it, it, it happens. It's growing. Yeah. You know, and I know there's there's, you know, there's um, services that are starting to appear out there for for making alerting you when your SIM card's been swapped and things like that. So yeah, it's a. It's at least with that one, it's not like a, a wide net like some of the phishing scams or or some of the email scams. It's like not you know somebody has to like really be focused in on targeting you. They got to take the time to. Yeah, there's a lot of effort there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, I imagine like like all things that will get easier. Right. <laughs> well, they're very ingenuitive. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah that's yeah. true. Indeed. Yeah, I was listening uh, to another podcast called Darknet Diaries, and oh, um, I loved loved that podcast. Yeah, that's a good one. And they had uh, they had a guy that is a professional in trying to combat uh, business email compromises on there, and he was telling talking about. Um, Black Axe, this group out of Nigeria, and yeah, it's the craziest thing. You think that all of these guys are just out for financial gain? That you just have these these organizations, these crime syndicates that are just out for all we're trying to do is get money. For them, it's like it's this spiritual thing wrapped in voodoo and like human sacrifice and lots of other things and they're a huge organization that sounds so, a lot more noble than just the greedy part of it like you know it's more about the religion <laughs> noble <laughs> it's nuts Very to, noble. to like level up to, yeah. to so you can be a yahoo boy which is you know you're you're basically scamming people yeah. right to become like a yahoo boy plus you know there's hu- human sacrifice so you can wow. gain this this power to to be able to compromise more people yeah what the hell? Isn't that insane? Yeah. Like it's not just just trying just to scam trying, to get just a little scamming money. Yeah. to try to manipulate. It's like actual It's like progressing up a It's crazy. You know, it's le- yeah. you know, leveling up like I said, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Crazy organization. Wait, it's I don't even know what to do. I with don't. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the do, same thing that the host on Darknet <laughs> Dark Diaries did. He's like Thank you for joining I, us. At, uh, I, I have no no idea what questions <laughs> to ask you now. <laughs> where do I where do I go with this? Where yeah. would we get those humans for sacrifice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sometimes it's cows. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like I would rather be scammed by like a higher level human yeah. sacrifice guy than like a cow sacrifice oh, yeah. guy. <laughs> like I don't want to be handled by a professional. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Uh, <laughs> I have so many offline comments for you. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. Well, yeah. <laughs> on that note, the end. <laughs> so human. So uh, sorry human for derailing. Yeah. <laughs> Gives uh, you power. Yeah, well, the interesting thing about that would be that, like, I imagine, like, if you're not just in it for the profit side of it, I wonder if that makes them harder to trace. Because, like, you know, one of the ways we trace like a lot of these organizations and marketplaces is they look at, you know, they typically use like Bitcoin and things like that to avoid, um, you know, the, the transactional elements Mm -hmm. and like the FBI and the NSA have gotten really good at like figuring out based on like looking at payment sizes and dates and times they've, they've been able to figure out inbound, you know, conversion into Bitcoin and conversion out of Bitcoin transactions that help them track down some of these um, networks and service providers. There's, there's actually like a, ransomware service provider industry marketplace, right? So that these are like companies that do like help desk and like support services for ransomware people. So when you, if like if um, your company is victim of ransomware 
um, and this company has, has exploited you, they would hook you up with their service provider who would <laughs> handle all the things of like helping you get on Bitcoin, helping you make the transactions, you know, uh, it's like a... It's so it's, nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very such nice. a convenience. What a great yeah. service. What a great <laughs> business to get into. I mean, ransomware is a growing industry. <laughs> yeah. You know, you want to be able to... I'm a ransomware service provider. Relatively so, low barrier to entry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the NSA shut one of these down by tracking, um, by tracking like this. But they, what they did is they manipulated the payments that were being made to the ransomware, through the ransomware um, group and to the ransomware target um, by looking at the inbound and outbound um, transaction amounts and times, they were able to figure out, you know, where these transactions were happening, and then zero in and, and get a hold of some of the people that were involved in this service provider, and they were able to shut down a pretty large service provider. Wow! As, wow. A, as a means for doing that, so it was, it was really kind of fascinating, like looking at things that are untraceable and figuring out ways how to how to trace things through untraceable networks. But, but um, so it there's there's mechanisms for doing that. But I imagine if you're doing it for some other reason than money. That's that's trickier. That's harder to yeah. Yeah. harder to yeah. follow and harder to stop because yeah. any yeah. kind of religious uh, greed is going to be passionate. Is greed is be great for, yeah. for being able to understand someone's motives and understand yeah. what they're going to do next, right? Like mm -hmm. if they're going to follow the money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. So if someone's out there for some other reason, it's, it can be harder maybe to figure out what they're doing. I guess. So, the, you know. Why are we talking about the dark web here? And really, how can people just to rein us back in from human sacrifice? Human sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> just to get away from. Oh, good. There's a path out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys watched Barbie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did the Barbenheimer. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's mental sacrifice. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to go. So. You're trying to rein this back yeah, into yeah. like how it affects so, consumers. Great. Yeah, yeah like why, great. why is it <laughs> why is a consumer? You know, it doesn't sound like there's much that anybody can do to keep their information off the dark web. Yeah. Like, it's gonna happen. So yeah, you know, I do I just let it happen or what do I do? Um, and why is it important to just get all your stuff off the internet and start yeah. writing? Am text? I just always waiting yeah. for like a, a, an alert? Yeah. Is that what I'm doing now? I'm just like sitting here yeah, waiting for an alert. You're just being like smart online, right? So you're you're changing your passwords, you're using different passwords for different sites. You may be using a password keeper if you can to to make sure that when you're keeping track of all these different passwords, you're using multi-factor authentication wherever you can. If you can use an authenticator app instead of a text message, even better. Um, and you're signing up for some kind of service like ours or one of our competitors that is preferably ours that is that is like really. Um, getting you this information in a timely basis so that when you find out like, oh, my credit union has been compromised, get in there, get your password changed, follow up with the union, credit union, find out what other things you need to do to make sure that your money's safe and that your your credit's safe and that your reputation is safe. So like all those things are, are really important. And again, the, the quicker you know that those things have happened, the better. So alerting is critical. Timeliness of alerting is critical. And making sure that you have like set things up in those dark dark web monitoring services and credit monitoring services, such that you know you can really look and identify that your information has been compromised. So that's 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 what you do, and you and you do that, and you're also like we said, you're we, we were joking around about it, but like, be smart. Don't take Facebook online quizzes. Don't don't respond on a Facebook or Instagram post that says you know hey t you know your stripper name is your cat and your home address. You know right. <laughs> <laughs> your, your pet name and your home address. Yeah. You know so then yeah. your everyone's popping in their personal details, like barely encoded into a, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's, 
it's just being being smart, applying a little bit of common sense to things, and and having the tools to help you make sure that your online, you know, um, presence is safe and secure. Yeah, that's wild. I so and also so I'm getting a lot more text messages now. Yeah, um, and I'm sure it's because my phone number has. I put it, it into anything yeah. I can find. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Mike's cell phone number. I signed it up for political things. Whatever I can put it in there, I, I get it. No, but yeah, text messages are getting really bad, and because yeah. you're, you're, you know, short codes are, are kind of difficult to identify sometimes. It can be hard to see. Is this from, you know, if, if you see it from a regular phone number, you can kind of look at it and say, like, you know, I don't know why, you know, Bardstown, Indiana is sending me a text message about, you know, Mike car warranty or something and don't click on the link but in general like when you get a text message unless you're unless you're absolutely sure you understand that the the origin number there don't click on any links you get in there if you if it's from your bank go log into your bank and look there don't click on don't take the easy route that you get from those guys and follow a, a click so link. would you recommend using something like google voice or some other app to mask your phone number you you can but i mean the other thing is just like i said it's just being smart like don't don't click on links that the people text you i you always know? say the same thing just <clears throat> yeah. if if your bank or mortgage company calls you or or does yeah. just don't answer just call call the number yeah, you know call the number back yeah. Yeah. yeah call the number you know yeah. from the website that you know and yeah yeah or from your statement yeah. whatever if you if you don't recognize the number don't answer it if you yeah. do, if you don't recognize the text number or if it's a short code that you don't recognize don't click the link through there like just if you weren't expecting it, if it's something you put in an MFA authentication and you said, send me a code at this text and you get the text right away, then click on it. That's sure. probably the right one. But but like if you're just, you know, sitting around a table full of donuts, watching Rick eat as many as he can, then you... I got a long ways to go. And you get a text <laughs> and uh, it's, yeah, don't click on it. It's, it's probably not, it's not a good thing. And just don't, just be, just be skeptical of everything. Just assume mm -hmm. everyone's trying to scam you because they are. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's like, can we make sure and use that as a clip, yeah. Ronnie? Yeah. Just, yeah, like, yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. We should have that as a streamer across yeah. our website. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is trying to scam you. Yeah. <laughs> Click here to find out more. Well, it's just too, it, you're just bombarded all the time. Yeah. So yeah. It, it is true. Somebody's trying to scam you at any given time. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Either through email, now mm -hmm. text messages, phone calls, voicemails. Yeah. Voicemails. Yeah. In person. In person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not just you. I mean, I, I, we hear a lot through our call center, people get being scammed during real estate transactions. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, most of what we hear are on the consumer side or the buyer side, um, being scammed through it's some sort of escrow scam. And, um, and somebody really kind of, uh, interjecting an email in the middle of that transaction and saying, Hey, uh, this is my, this is my account number, um, and, you know, transfer my money to this bank. But right. recently I heard about, um, it was actually on the same, that same podcast um, that I had mentioned earlier, uh, the uh, actual escrow company being scammed. Oh, really? Is, really? Yeah. I have not heard, wow. really heard that yeah. before. Um, <clears throat> and the escrow company uh, got an email from the 
from what what they considered to be the buyer saying, Hey, this is my new bank account number. Can you forward all the escrow money? And so they, they did that. And wow. They said they sent like $200,000 into this, (laughs) the scammers. Well, I mean, sometimes, and then they tried to cancel the, they tried to cancel a real estate transaction afterwards. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes those escrow companies are just small companies. It's just somebody on the, you know, yeah. it's just a person on the other end. Yeah. Well, I know real estate agents are telling me too that they're not like, um, they're being careful on how they announce showings and things like that because they have people who will file a, a title uh, mm. change claim at the county clerk and then move into the house that's being shown. Oh, and just, and, and it can take a long time to long sort time that to out. Get out yeah. Of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like, you know, and then title application changes pending. So like they're living in there, you know, it's like, wow. there's no, you know, it's, it's a real, it can be real difficult to do some of the, you know, there's just kind of some really like brazen. Yeah. Crazy stuff that happens out there. Yeah. So the moral of the story is always have your guard up. Yeah. 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 Just be smart. Yeah. Think that people are trying to scam you because they are. Because they are. They are. <laughs> yeah, they are all the time. Yeah. yeah. So be on the lookout yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, as we kind of wrap things up, what do you, what are, if you were to leave people with maybe the top three things uh, to think about and to consider uh, in this conversation, mm-hmm. what would you say those yeah. are for you? Uh, I would say like, um, like we said, keep your guard up, be careful what you share online. Um, um, be, be really diligent about using multiple factor authentication. Um, try to use authenticator apps instead of text messages where you, and emails where you can. Um, and uh, make sure you're signed up for a service that's giving you rapid alerts for, um, for things like dark web monitoring, for credit alerts, for you know, uh, public records changes, for national change of address. You know, there's another great one where people will go out and change your address and all your mail will start to go somewhere else and credit card application, you know. So so be on the be on the lookout for that with a service that's gonna get you that information quickly so that when it happens, and it will happen, you're you're ready to be able to do something about it quickly. Yeah. And we another we have a great call center. Um, I assume other companies have an okay call center. We have a great <laughs> call center that is fantastic about helping people deal with things like that. That was like your top five, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just take two we'll take top five. Yeah. 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 So no, it, that was good. Like, it, it was it was just be smart and then use multi-factor authentication and, and sign up for a service. That's yeah. true. That's, that's, three. that's yeah. three. He was right. Yeah. He did three. Counting's hard. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you do feel like a service is like a must-to-have now. Yeah, like I think a, it's absolutely, absolutely have to have a must-have. Yeah. For, versus yeah. Uh, nice to have where it used to be. Yeah, it used to be a nice to have, and it's. It, I don't think it's been a, a nice to have for a couple of years at least. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow, that was a great episode. If you enjoyed this and want more, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss out on future topics. Follow us on all your favorite social platforms for bonus content and behind the scenes fun. Thanks for joining us on this journey towards financial empowerment. Until next time, stay tuned, stay sappy, and see you next time on IDIQ Labs.